welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, welcome today to River Valley Church. How are you guys doing? I know. We, we want to have a blackout service. There we go. Thank you, guys. Hey, it is good to be... Oh, someone's waving. Hi. Uh, it is great to have you guys in church today on this Labor Day weekend. I'm actually kind of surprised at the crowd here. So thank you for showing up, and thank you for telling me that you don't have a cabin this weekend. We should join a life group uh, sometime. Well, I am Pastor Sean. I am the associate campus pastor here. And I get the honor of helping Pastor Anthony, our campus pastor, uh, support him as he leads this campus with uh, integrity, vision, strategy, and I get to help make that happen. And I love, I just want to let you know, I love our campus pastor. He is an incredible man of God, and uh, you should love him too. Um, Also, just want to say thanks to uh, Pastor Rob, who's in the house today. Pastor Rob, uh, I will always continue to uh, stand at the bottom of your ladder and support it as you continue to climb. And uh, I love you. I uh, want to honor my mom and dad who came down from St. Cloud today. You guys brought me into this world. And, um, but you can't take me out anymore because I left you uh, to be with my incredible wife of eight years, Kristen Rail. Uh, I think I have a photo of my family behind me. Uh, I've been married to my wife for eight years. She is a professional counselor, so she counsels me through all my problems which is great. And then I have two beautiful daughters, Kylie, who is four, just turned four last week, and then Blakely, who is 15 months today, and they are incredible. I want to tell you about uh, my daughter, Kylie, because Blakely's not old enough to have any good stories. So Kylie, she's four years old, and I think she's an answer to prayer because she is, at this age, a fearless leader. She's really not afraid of much. In fact, we just moved into an area in Edina, and we began to meet our neighbors. And after just a couple of times of meeting our neighbors, she wanted to go play with their kids. Now, they're 9, 13, 9, 13 and about 15, you know, quite a bit of an age gap. And so after meeting them one time, she just decides she's going to walk over there, let herself in the door, and go ask her Lucky and Lily to play. Yes, three and a half years old, little pint size. She's not afraid to go play with people that are older than her. So it was a teachable moment for us. We said, Kylie, love that you want to play with them, but you need to knock on the door and you need to let their mom and dad answer it and open it. Uh, So that's a little bit about my family. Today, we're going to talk about doors. And there's all kinds of doors. There's, There's right doors, there's wrong doors, there's open doors, there's closed doors, there's right swinging doors, there's left swinging doors, there's revolving doors, automatic doors. There's all sorts of kinds of doors. There are even uh, incorrect ways and correct ways to open them. Uh, we even use the word door metaphorically. We may say that that door is your way out. We may use it as an idiom and we would say, don't let the door hit you on the way out. For some of you, you may say the opposite. Um, We might also say, the door is always open. And in fact, that phrase I don't think should ever be taken lightly because on the receiving end, it's saying that there's an acceptance, a love, a care for, a belonging, that the door is always open to you. And if you're on the giving end of that, that should never be given lightly either because it means that you better pony up 
to what you say. And if you tell someone, hey, the door is always open, you better be there in time of their need. Amen? Amen. Well, today, uh, as we talk about doors, there's two main doors that I want to talk about. One is the door to salvation, which is Jesus Christ. And the second is walking through doors as Christ followers, because we know that we, there are different doors that we have to walk through. A quick story for you. When I was in middle school and probably younger, uh, before, I had a li- before I had my license and car keys, I would go and I would leave the house and I'd go on my bike and I would come back and oftentimes I would come back and nobody else would be at the house. Um, so I was locked out because my parents always locked the doors. Uh, I don't know why, we lived in a fairly nice neighborhood, uh, but they decided that they were just gonna lock the doors. Now the good thing is my parents were very frugal and so if the temperature was ever 85 degrees or below, the windows would always be open. Right? So I would walk to the back because the doors were locked, right? I couldn't get in. And I would grab a lawn chair and I would climb in through a window. Typically it was our bathroom window. I would crank it open, which probably wasn't good for the window. I'd crank it open, push in the screen, and then I would climb in through the house. And I know that I would get some kind of weird, odd looks from my neighbors. But nonetheless, that's how I got in. And I just remember telling my parents, it would just be so much easier if you could just leave the doors open. Then I won't have to worry about bringing keys. I won't have to worry about losing them because we know that when doors are always open, it is so much easier just to get into the house and it's so much easier to do things when doors are open. I wanna read from you Acts chapter 10. This is the message paraphrase. It says this. Peter fairly exploded with this With his good news, in God's own truth, nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. He is doing it everywhere among everyone. Listen, the door to be used by God It is an open door, it is an open invitation. It is for all to be used by God and all to be accepted by him. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free according to Galatians 3.28, but we are all one in Jesus Christ. And God's door to his kingdom, it's wide open for all who want to come. It is wide open for all who want to come. Isaiah 55 says, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me all who are weary and tired and I will give you rest. Come all, it's open. The invitation is for all. And God has an open door policy to his kingdom. And anyone who wants to come in with faith, anyone who is faithful to Jesus, tall, short, black, white, male, female, rich, poor, it does not matter. The door is open to anyone who wants to follow Jesus anyone. A little bit of a historical background in Acts chapter 10. It starts off with a man named Cornelius. He was a Roman officer, and he has a vision from God. And in that vision, he, the, God shows him a vision to say, hey, there's a man named Simon Peter. You need to go find him and bring him back because he has a message for you. So Cornelius sends three guys to Peter's house. While they're on their way, Peter has a vision. Peter has a vision, he wakes up, and then the Holy Spirit tells him, hey, don't be alarmed because the three guys that are knocking at your door, I have sent them. This was crucial because the three guys were Gentiles. 
Peter was a Jew, and they didn't always get along. They didn't always intermingle. They didn't always uh, uh, hang out. In fact, they never went into each other's homes because that was kind of forbidden. So they come. They say, Peter, you have to come with us. A guy named Cornelius, he's called for you. He's a God-fearing man, and he believes that you have a word for him. So they go, and they enter into Cornelius' house. Again, forbidden in Jewish culture. But Cornelius says, I'm so glad you're here. I believe that you have a word for me. And I'm going to read this again, Acts 10, 34, and 35. This is the New King James Version. It says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to his children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You see, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In other words, God plays no favorites. He just doesn't. This was the foundation for Peter, his understanding that the gospel was now to go forth into the Gentiles. And the statement goes completely, completely against Jewish tradition and Jewish thought because they truly believed that God did show favoritism. They believed that God loved the Jews while hating the Gentiles. But let me be very clear. Whenever a Jewish person thought that, they were wrong. They were not correct because God never showed favoritism. It's even uh, stated in the Old Testament a couple times in 2 Chronicles 19 and Deuteronomy 10, verse 17, says, For the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. So the idea that God can now use Gentiles was completely new to Peter. It was completely new to the Jewish uh, tradition. And God was expanding Peter's heart and his mind and his ministry And then this, the spread of the gospel began to change. In Christianity, those who followed Jesus Christ, Christianity, it was the first religion to disregard racial, cultural, economic, and national limitations. And I think that's pretty incredible. So people began to realize that the door was open to be used by God, the door was open to be accepted by God. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The door is open. You see, the point for Cornelius was this, is that he no longer had to discredit himself because he was a Gentile. He he didn't have to worry about what other people thought because the door was open to be used, not just by the Jews, but by the Gentiles as well. The point for us is this. Sometimes we think God sees color. Guess what? He only sees your heart. Sometimes... We think that God sees our economic status. Guess what? He only sees your heart. Sometimes we put limitations on ourselves because of our ability. Guess what? God only sees your heart. Sometimes we think God looks at our past. You know what he sees? He sees your heart. And he wants to use you. The door is open for all to be used by God. Why? Because he is the Lord of all. And all he's asking is for you to walk through that open door. I think sometimes as a Christ follower, 
we get into a season of, okay, I understand that there's open doors, but it just, I don't know what door to walk in. I don't know what door to open. I don't know. There just seems like there's so many different options. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? What door do I walk through? There's so many different options. I mean, for me, it just seems like, man, I have all these open doors and I just don't know which one is correct. It's kind of like the state fair. You go to the state fair and you realize, I'm going to get some greasy food. And then you get there and you realize, oh man, there's so many options. I don't want to get one and then find that there might be something greasier down the road. And so you become like me and you get paralyzed because you're like, man, there's so many different options. I don't know what to do. I'm going to walk around for two hours until I'm starving. And then I finally get something to eat. You guys know what I'm talking about? So many different options. There's an incredible article in Crosswalk Magazine that talks about this. Not about the state fair options, (laughs) but about choosing the right door. And she says in Christianity and walking with Christ that there are right doors and wrong doors. There's open doors, there's closed doors. The idea is how do we, how do we know that an open door is from God? How do we know an open door is not from God? Because sometimes just because an open door is there doesn't mean that it's from God. And sometimes just because a door that's open looks a little bit uncertain doesn't mean that we shouldn't walk through it. The key is to discern whether that open door is from God or it is not from God. And she has three things that I think are amazing that help us understand and discern whether this open door is from God. Number one, she says that the door God opens will never contradict his word. Example, hear this all the time. Oh, pastor, you know, I'm getting into my late 20s, mid 30s, upper 30s, and I haven't been married yet. And I just, man, I just started dating this unbeliever because I just felt like God opened the door for me to be with him. And I think that God is telling me, man, this door is open. I'm going to marry them. Guess what? That would be a contradiction of his word. So that would be a door that you don't want to walk down, right? Contradicts his word. Number two, the door that God opens will be accompanied by confirmation from Christian mentors. Trusted, godly memories that you can go to and just bounce an idea off and just say, hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about making this change. I'm thinking about going into this new career or this new path where I've got a big decision. I just want to run this by you and I just want you to speak into this. I know I've done that in my life because I want Christian mentors. I want people that I trust that are godly, that are a few years ahead of me in the journey of life. And I just want to bounce it off their, off their mind and their heart to see if it makes sense to them. And if they say, you know what, Sean, I think that makes sense. I think you should go for it. To me, that's confirmation that I'm going in the right direction and that I'm going walking into the right door. The third thing is this. The door that God opens will require you to depend on him. Look, it needs to be outside of your comfort zone. It just does. Because if it doesn't, you know what? That means you can do it on your own strength. But if it relies on you to be a little bit awkward, a little bit uncomfortable, you know what that's going to do? It's going to rely, help you rely on the power of God to get you to where he's going to take you. 
So if it's uncertain, if you see a door that's open and you're scared by it, guess what? Walk through the door because Jesus is going to be with you and keep walking to it. If God doesn't want you to go through a door, you know what? He's probably going to close it. And if he closes the door, guess what? Move on to the next one. Move on to the ones that he sees that, that you are drawn to. Move on to the ones that stir up in, inside of you through your prayer, through the reading, reading of the word, reading of the scripture, and go to the ones that are given by the desires of your heart and walk towards those ones because he's going to be with you. He's going to lead you. I remember in high school, we had to do a fundraiser, and it was a fundraiser to sell coupon cards for the football team. Now, I'm an introvert. The last thing I ever wanted to do was try to go door to door and sell cards that I wouldn't even buy myself, okay? So I remember knocking on a few doors, getting shut down, and I just, you know, they said no, and I just froze up and I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm just gonna buy one myself, sell one to my parents, and call it good. Thankfully, I had a friend that was with me, he was a little bit younger, and he just encouraged me. He said, hey, come on, I'll go with you. I'll knock on the doors, I'll help you. We're gonna sell them together. And I think he sold like 10 of my cards. So I just drove him around, because I had a license and he didn't. But he encouraged me, just keep knocking on the doors, just keep asking, just keep going. And it was, it was incredible to have someone with me that uh, could just encourage me. And maybe, maybe you've arrived at a door that you're asking God to open, but he still hasn't opened it yet. If he's brought you there, I want to encourage you, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 11. So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. You see, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And right now, he's teaching his disciples. He's telling his disciples, listen, the promise of the Holy Spirit is coming for you. You have it. You received it when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But ask for more because now there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's a, the power to do great things and the Holy Spirit is with you. So keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking and the door will be open. You see, the Holy Spirit is a promise that helps us when we are in a season of knocking. The Holy Spirit gives us a peace without understanding when the door is closed, but we know that we need to keep knocking. That Holy Spirit is going to tell you, keep knocking. The Holy Spirit also brings conviction when we're knocking on a door. That's a door that we want to open. And he's going to convict you and say, nope, that's a door you want open, but I don't want to open that door, and so I'm not going to do it. So move on and get to the next door. Stop knocking. The Holy Spirit gives peace and permission to start knocking on multiple doors. And ultimately, any door that the Holy Spirit opens, any door that God opens, should be seen as a gift And it cannot hurt us because God is with us. So if a door opens, it's a little uncertain, guess what? Walk through the door. Walk through it. Maybe you're here and you're in a season of knocking, seeking and asking. Maybe it's for healing. Maybe it's for a breakthrough. Maybe you've been praying for a loved one. 
something that God has stirred in your heart to pray for. Listen, continually ask, seek, and knock. The, the poor man in Psalm 34 says that he cried out and the Lord heard him. I also love what the prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. It says, O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. And give no rest until he completes his work, until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. You see, the watchmen were on constant duty. They were prayer warriors. They were constantly praying, and they were giving God no rest. They were giving God no rest until he made Jerusalem the pride of Israel again. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He was a preacher in the mid to late uh, 19th century in London, had uh, probably the largest church at its time, started over 60 different ministries. He says this, a restless savior calls upon his people to be restless and to make the Lord himself restless, to give him no rest till his chosen city is in full splendor, his chosen church complete and glorious. It would be like this. If you and I were to walk and we were to see a homeless man, it would be like us going to the homeless man, giving him some money and saying, hey, listen, if I come by you again, I need you to ask me again for more money. And if I start to walk away, I need you to yell at me. And if I continue to walk, I need you to grab me. And if I continue to go on, I need you to hold on to me and cling to me and continue to ask until I give it to you. That's what the prophet Isaiah is saying. Give the Lord no rest until he answers your prayers. Give the Lord no rest. Listen, sometimes we don't like God's timing. We just don't. We think it should happen now. But sometimes God just wants us to continue to rely on him, to pursue him, to go after him. Look, it took him three days to go see Lazarus. God's timing is perfect, and he will never let you down. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For anyone who, who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Do you understand that this came from Jesus Christ's own mouth? He knew the Father's mind. He knew that all of his promises, all of God's promises, were answered with what? A yes and an amen. So you know what? If God's going to open a door for you, are his plans good for you? Yes. Will he be with you? Yes. Will he strengthen you? Yes. Will he comfort you? Yes. Will he give you peace? Yes. Will he give you wisdom? Yes. Will he give you guidance? Yes. Will he take care of your needs? Yes. Ask, and it shall be given to you, either the thing itself or that which is equivalent. The Apostle Paul, he prayed, and he said, Lord, take this thorn away from me, this thorn in my flesh. And it could have been easily answered with the thorn being removed. And that could have been his, the, the answer or that which is equivalent. So for the apostle Paul, he prayed, remove the thorn in my flesh. His, the response, my grace 
is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Sometimes God's gonna answer our prayers with something equivalent to help get you through where you're going. He will be with you, he will strengthen you, he will never let you down. So we've talked about how the door is open and to be used by God. Talked about discerning right doors and wrong doors to walk through. Talked about keeping knocking, asking, seeking, believing for God and never giving up, continuing to pursue him. The final point is this. And yes, it's about another door. But it's one that you have to open. And it's the greatest decision that you could ever make in your life. It is the door to salvation. Revelation 3.20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus is teaching here and he's talking about the church of Laodicea. This was the only door in scripture where the door was closed. And it wasn't because Jesus closed it. It was because the church of Laodicea closed it on him. Right before that, it says, I wish that you were neither, you're neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm. And they shut the door in Jesus. But here's what's interesting. Is that even though the door was shut, Jesus was standing there and he was knocking. And he was knocking and he was knocking, and he was pursuing a relationship with that church. Just like he's knocking on your heart, and he's pursuing a relationship with you. He's knocking. But because he is a gentleman, he's not gonna barge his way in. Because he loves you, and he cares for you, he's gonna pursue you and keep knocking. And he will stand at your door forever, and he will knock and he will knock, and he will knock. Because he loves you, he cares for you, and he wants nothing more than to be in a relationship with you so that your entire life and your destiny from here on out can be different, can be on a new trajectory. And all we have to do is open the door. In a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity if you haven't yet to invite Jesus into your heart Romans 10 9 and 10 says this that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died and rose again you will be saved very simple confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died and rose again you will be saved so I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. And I just want to give a private moment with nobody looking around. If you're in here today and you would say, man, I want this Jesus thing. I want Jesus into my heart. I want to live for him today and the rest of my life knowing that this is the greatest decision that you will ever make. All you have to do is open the door because he's knocking, he's waiting patiently, and he just wants to have a relationship with you. If that's you in here today with nobody looking around, 
I'm just gonna ask that you would slip up your hand. Just slip up your hand and put it back down. I see one hand in the back. Is there any others? You would say, you know what, Pastor Sean, I want Jesus. I want him into my heart. I want him into my life. I need to receive him today. If that's you, I'll give you one more opportunity. Just go ahead and raise your hand and slip it back down. This is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that if you raise your hand, we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to lead it and you're going to repeat after me. And I'm going to ask everyone who loves Jesus to repeat this prayer after me as well. Jesus, I confess you with my mouth. I'll try that again. Jesus, I confess you with my mouth. That you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that you died and rose again. Today I choose to live for you. Father, I pray for everyone in here who made that decision for the very first time. God, I pray that you would be with them. I pray that you would give them a sense of peace, love, encouragement, a sense of joy to know that you are for them and you are not against them. In the name of Jesus, amen.